Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude, and we're going to talk about the biggest game between a, a team from Florida and California today. That is a Lakers and Heat game, unless you can think of another one, Jacob. I didn't watch any other more important than that one. <laughs> I, uh... I, I you played during that uh, other game and so i did not watch the rams and buccaneers i only caught the last 90 seconds of regulation of the chiefs bills game because of lakers post game stuff and i still saw like 25 points scored so i it was a wild day for football yeah i am not a football fan at least not an american football fan um so I did not watch the whole game. I especially not like I, I saw on Twitter that the Rams were just thoroughly running through the Buccaneers uh, in the first, I don't know, three quarters, maybe. And um, then I saw in my timeline, that the Rams were collapsing and me, I just can't, I can't look away from a mess, which is why I like my fondest memories as a Lakers fan started in like 2013 14 um but yeah i watched i watched a good chunk of the fourth quarter and it was a really exciting game and apparently the game immediately after was was really exciting uh so maybe i should revise my stance on football but i've also been told that uh games aren't always that exciting it uh for whatever reason i again i only watched a little bit but Playoff, I know the playoffs were wild this week, but we are not a, fortunately, we are not an NFL podcast because I watched two minutes of NFL action this weekend. <laughs> well, uh, I honestly, you could have watched two minutes of the Lakers game on Sunday and it would have had the same result as me watching the last few minutes of that Rams-Bucks game. Uh, but unfortunately for us, uh it was a i guess uh not the result that you would have desired from uh los, los angeles team in this one the lakers lost to the miami heat in um god do i say exciting fashion um i don't i don't know what that fourth quarter was admittedly i checked out like for most of the game because it just seemed like the lakers were sleepwalking again uh and not just that but the lineups that were being played and the players that were playing just didn't do it for me. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting old, uh, but watching Trevor Reese playing basketball does not hit like it did, you know, 10 plus years ago. The nostalgia has worn off. Uh, there was, <laughs> there was enough of it there when he signed and eventually when he played that, uh, I was willing to overlook and write and make some excuses and hope for the best, but Trevor Ariza is pretty cooked. Uh, I would say the Lakers lost in flattering fashion. Uh, 
mm-hmm. because uh, for the better part of three quarters or probably beyond that even this was not a ball game um the lakers were i don't even know how to describe them they just looked like let just worse than the heat like the heat were able to do whatever they wanted the lakers were struggling and clawing to get their baskets it felt like and it was a combination of I think the Heat letting their foot off the gas and the Lakers finally getting some momentum. Um, I thought the comeback started be- mainly because of the Heat um, letting it letting off the gas. But the Lakers started to do some things in there that were good. Uh, a lot of it, as is often the case, was defensively. Once that team gets stops and gets in transition, uh, life is a lot easier on them. And that was the case, but you can't dig yourself a, I believe it was like a 26 point hole and expect to be able to come back from that. Um, it was, it was flattering. I, that final scoreline was not really indicative of how most of the night went for the Lakers. I thought there was a chance. And then, uh, PJ Tucker with, uh, flop of us of the season i think um i meant I, to look this up to see just what the size difference is between avery bradley and pj tucker because um avery bradley on basketball reference is listed at 6 3 180 pounds pj tucker is 6 5 245 pounds and uh as you were about to allude, allude to pj tucker threw himself to the ground on the decisive uh, possession for the Lakers. It was a smart flop, though. Like, I, if I was his teammate, I'd, I'd give him props for that. I don't know if that makes me like unsportsmanlike, but uh, a savvy flop, a veteran IQ flop. Absolutely. And uh, from there, the Lakers just kind of lost all momentum. Um, I feel like there was a play before that that was a real momentum killer i want to say it was russell westbrook driving down the court like with the full head of steam then he lost it Um, he did the lakers got a stop um he was maybe a little too gung-ho and uh dribbled into about three different people and lost the ball was trying to pull it up um yeah, they got a stop with 51 seconds left. It was 111-107. Russ gets the rebound um, and took off. Oh, well, nope, it was a little bit earlier than that. But still, regardless, you're right. There was a there's a play where Russ turned the ball over, and it was it felt like a momentum killer. Um, I and thought the Lakers. Going. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought the <laughs> Lakers played decently. Um, defensively late uh it helped that bam um fouled out and the uh heat kind of had to go small and the lakers i think have a, a much better chance in doing that um it was much earlier i found it it was much earlier when westbrook had that play but it was a 12 point game the lakers were rolling and at the time it did feel like a, a killer but avery bradley 
and Mello were just knocking down threes in that fourth. But I don't know. The the Lakers, it's always so hard with the Lakers this year because they've done this fourth quarter, second half comeback thing multiple times. And then you're left wondering, like, was this simply the other team, like, letting off the gas? Is this the Lakers doing something that's changing things? And then <laughs> – they come into the pressers and talk about how they don't have intensity. And uh, it's a lot of the same stuff over and over that's uh, frustrating as a fan. Um, I don't know what to make of this team, but they keep digging themselves in these big holes. And that was the case on, on Sunday from the get-go. It did not seem like they were even interested. It I joked toward the end of the game, we learned it takes about three quarters to shake off the Miami nightlife. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, listen, I think for the first half of the season, my thinking with this team was just give them time, wait for AD to come back, and the pieces that they have in place will start to make a lot more sense. And maybe that's true. However, how bad they've looked without AD, I think, is indicative of the roster construction. And yes, when you trade as many players and assets as the Lakers did for AD, you know, one summer and then, you know, a few summers later trading a lot, a, a, a package of, you know, Contavious Caldwell, Pope Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, and a first round pick for Russell Westbrook, another guy that's on a big contract. I understand that your roster is going to be top heavy, but your roster should not look this bad when your star player is sidelined, especially when you have like a quote unquote big three with Russell Brown and AD. And the thing that I think I have the most conflict with when it comes to Westbrook, who in his defense did not have a bad game at all good yeah 24 points uh nine rebounds nine assists only what is that three turnovers so not a bad night from him uh and you know i i also think that when anthony davis comes back his style his style of play will look more like it did last year with washington because i think there'll be less lineups with him and lebron um or just more lineups where you know, they're able to play LeBron off ball without him taking so much uh, so much responsibility on offense. Whatever the case may be, his qualities as a playmaker will stand out when, you know, Anthony Davis comes back. I think that's my hope. However, hmm. if the logic in trading for Russell Westbrook is LeBron James at 37 and Anthony Davis with his, you know, injury history will likely miss an extended stretch of games at some point of the season. And you need somebody to step up and be that guy. He had, he like, he hasn't been. And whether that's because of roster construction or the player he is at this stage of his career, it's just not working. What the late, the pieces the Lakers have in place right now is not working. And aside from Anthony Davis coming back they're is like not a lot of hope of things improving internally. And so I guess my question for you is, 
Is there anything about this team that makes you believe that the pieces outside of Russell Westbrook and LeBron James or just the rotations as a whole will get better when Anthony Davis comes back? Um, I think so to a certain extent. Anthony Davis is still really good, and there's still a lot of things he does that is going to make other guys look good or look better, maybe I should say. He covered – he. I mean, we have found out to a uh, loud degree that he kept, covers up a lot of defensive mistakes and shortcomings. Um, it was – I noticed it to some degree um, when he played, there was so much talk about what he was or wasn't doing on offense that there probably wasn't enough talk about what he was doing on defense because almost the instant he went out of the, the lineup, the Lakers defense nosedived and a lot of that's also due to just how they typically defended. It was a lot of funneling toward AD and him protecting the rim. Uh, and they had to change that, obviously. But uh, so I do think he's going to cover up a lot of issues defensively, which will help. That'll help the team get some stops, maybe get in transition more where a lot of these guys are going to just naturally look better, especially with LeBron and Russ. Um, in transition but having said that I mean I I made a joke a little tongue-in-cheek during that first half a little tongue-in-cheek a little not in that the Lakers need to change their starting lineup which we'll talk about in a minute but I don't know if they have five good players right now Um, it's some it seems like the Lakers have been at their best um since AD has gone down with some combination of like LeBron, Reeves, Monk, and typically Stanley Johnson. And the problem is those four players, uh, I haven't looked, I didn't, it was during the game when I looked it up, but before tonight, those four players had played 20 minutes together um, through a variety of reasons. Stanley Johnson's only been here for a month, uh, not even. Um, Some guys haven't been available, but that's also – they should be playing more. Um, They played – yeah, they didn't play together tonight, but those four with THT are probably the closest the Lakers have had to a decent lineup, maybe swap out Russ for THT. Uh, but with THT, they've played 18 minutes and have a 47.2 net rating. But in general, those four have a 22 net rating in 20 minutes. So I'm optimistic about some of the, the guys. Um, LeBron is fine. Russ, uh, TBD. <laughs> um, but Stanley Johnson, Malik, Austin Reeves, I think Melo maybe may get the biggest help with AD coming back. Um, He'll be fine. Generally speaking, I think THT will be fine. Um, After that, I mean, that's, that's really all I got. And that's, 
uh, what, two, four, six, seven, seven people plus AD, eight people. And that's including Russ and including THT, which I don't know. Avery Bradley's going to play. So um, you have eight and a half, nine guys that are, that are decent. A lot of those are guards and, but this is a roster of 15, 13 people, however many people. There's a lot of names that aren't useful. And I was I was thinking today, I at this point, I you either need to trade them or cut them because the Lakers are not in a position where they can have DeAndre and Dwight and Bazemore and Ellington all just sitting at the end of the bench useless. Like they are not good enough to do that. So um, that was a very long-winded way of me saying, I, re- I really don't know with this team. I think there's a good unit in there and you can piece together maybe like an eight-man rotation, but it's <laughs> unless LeBron, AD, and Russ mesh in a way that they haven't yet this season, it's not going to be much better than the 500 team they are now. And that's a, a team bordering the play in as a seven seed. So uh, I think there'll be a little bit of improvement, but I am, I'm pretty pessimistic about this team because they just cannot seem to string things together. We're going to take a quick break and then we will uh, talk a little bit more about the Lakers, uh, I guess, lack of talent and uh, what that might look like when Anthony Davis comes back. So good, a good point you were making is uh, the Lakers don't have many like good NBA players on their team. And that is why Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson, the latter of which was on a, you know, what well, was out of the NBA with the South Bay Lakers and, you know, is on a 10 day contract for a reason. Although I'd argue if he became a free agent, right after this 10 day uh he he gets swooped up pretty quickly but mm-hmm. that's beside the point the point is the reason austin reeves and stanley johnson and malik monk look as good as they do for the lakers is because they're nba players or at least closer to nba players than you know deandre jordan or you know kent basemore are at least on this team yeah kent basemore was fine in portland and you know, even even better, I'd argue, in, in Sacramento. It's just not working out. And, you know, that's that's the tough thing with this team is you can talk about Russell Westbrook being insurance for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which, you know, hasn't exactly worked out. But the even larger issue is if one of these rotation guys get hurt, your, you know, small seven, eight man rotation suddenly turns into, you know, a six man rotation plus a player you'd rather not have on the floor in the regular season, but especially not in the postseason. And it's it's why these conversations about like, I, I understand, and this is the only the only time I swear to God I'll say this on the podcast. I understand where Kurt Rambis is coming from when he says he wants the Lakers to play like a little more traditional because of how much they're getting killed in the paint. I get it. All right. 
That is the last time I'll say that on this podcast. Now, do I think that means playing DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard? Absolutely not. And that's a problem. Like if, if you're a team that is getting killed in the paint and you want to stop the bleeding and you can't play the two centers you have on guaranteed contracts, that is an issue. You either need to find lineups where you can hide whatever deficiencies said center, uh, you know, brings on the, on the floor, or you cut ties with those guys completely and bring in somebody that can play. Look at the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns brought in Bismack Biombo, and, you know, <laughs> he learned how to catch the ball and he's suddenly a productive NBA player. The Lakers, again, never thought I'd say, I'm saying a lot of things I never thought I'd say on this podcast. The Lakers could use a Bismack Biombo right now. And um, <laughs> it's just, it's really frustrating. The most frustrating thing about the team is not Frank Vogel or Russell Westbrook. To me, when this season became in peril was the moves they made after the Russell Westbrook trade. And that is a point I'll harp on probably until the end of the season, uh, unless they win a championship. I think there is a roster, a, God, dare I say championship roster that you can build or could have built in the summer with Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. This is not it. And, God, I'm just so curious to see how long it takes for them to push the panic button. Because I think right now you have the benefit of Anthony Davis being out in terms of excuses. Once AD comes back, and assuming he plays well, but the pieces still aren't connecting, that's when you say, okay, we need to do something about this. But it is also January 23rd. The trade deadline is on February 10th. The Lakers are running out of time, plain and simple. Yeah, that's my biggest complaint right now is it's not new that DeAndre can't play. Vogel hasn't trusted Kent Bazemore since the opening month of the season. Um, Wayne Ellington... I mean, maybe he has a role on this team, but it's a very, very small one. And it is strictly as a shooter. Um, It's just none of this is new. And it's the same problems the Lakers have been dealing with for since AD went out, really. And before that, like we knew a lot of these guys couldn't play. Um, I just don't know what they're waiting for. Like, you can make the argument they're waiting for AD, but he's not going to make Trevor Ariza young again. (laughs) Like Trevor Ariza looks absolutely cooked out there. And Miami was like specifically targeting him uh, defensively. He cannot move. And it's the same with DeAndre Jordan. He cannot and will not move, especially on defense. He's just not, he just doesn't rotate. Um, So I don't know why they're hanging on to those guys. Um, they, uh, I, the, the trade deadline is soon. Um, I don't know that they're even going to be able to move those guys. Cause if we're sitting here talking about how 
bad they are, how much they struggle, like other NBA teams see that. So you're going to have to attach an asset to move these guys. And at that point, is it even worth it to get off these contracts? And Absolutely. I, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, how many second round picks are you willing to attach to get rid of DeAndre and Kent Bazemore and uh, guys like that? So in, the Lakers made the gamble to go with the big three and surround them with vet minimum, minimum guys. Vet minimum guys are just that for a reason. And it's a gamble. They hit on some. Malik, Austin Reeves was effectively a vet men guy. He's undrafted. Um, I mean, Mello, it's a little different, but uh, still a vet men guy. Um, Stanley Johnson is lower than a vet men guy. They hit on some of those guys, but DeAndre, Bazemore, Ariza, um, the, those guys, Ellington, I would even argue, they did not hit on. And I mean, that's you're batting 50 50 on those, but you can't keep hanging on to the guys that are bad. Like, you need to cut bait, you need to figure out a solution because the Lakers are just a floundering team right now. They're just trading wins and losses. They're not building any sort of momentum. They're really, really, really lucky that the Western Conference is just bad this year because it, in most years when you're a below 500 team, you are not the eight seed in the Western Conference. Uh, so this just not a great situation. And I mean, you look at the starting lineup on Sunday, we mentioned most of the guys, Trevor Reza has no business starting an NBA game. Um, he barely has any business getting minutes in an NBA game. Avery Bradley, he played well for about a week or two right before his contract guaranteed, which amazing timing by him and he hasn't been good <laughs> since um Dwight I think is fine in spurts and I mean he only played 11 minutes largely speaking I'm fine with the role Dwight's kind of played and he's going to be out of the rotation when AD is back and healthy um but that's three guys th three of the five guys in your starting lineup shouldn't be starting NBA games and it I know that at this point, if there's a free agent on the market in January, into January, like he's there for a reason. But you just mentioned Bismack Biombo was there, like um, got Stanley Johnson was there a month ago. Like, try something because what you're doing now is not working. And part of my frustration when Kurt Rambis came down to tell the Lakers to play bigger and whatnot is like you're the one who brought these players here like yeah. you're somehow you're this ambiguously powerful guy in the lakers front office like you had some say in bringing these guys here and they stink so like if you want them to play bigger go find a center that they can play with and that's my frustration with i can understand like you said to a degree like what Rambus wanted because the Lakers were getting crushed for a while playing this small ball and it makes sense to go tell them play a center but like there aren't any good ones on the roster so like um it's I I just don't really understand why the Lakers are in this holding pattern it's like they think there's only a one-week window that they can make trades and 
I don't, it's not like go fix the team now. You know, I know AD is going to fix some things, but like I said, DeAndre can't play now. He's not going to be able to play when AD's there. Like Kent Bazemore, whether you think he can play or not, Vogel doesn't. And that at this point is very clear. So I, I just don't know. And, and this all, the Lakers need a new starting five because what they have isn't working. But like, what do you do? Like, what, what is your starting five for, I think they play Brooklyn next. What's your starting five for that game? The locks are Russ, Lebr- Russ LeBron and presumably AD. Uh, I'd really like AD to play that game. Um, that would be awesome. It sounds like he, there's a decent chance he might. Which, you know, was either this or, he, he wasn't going to come back against like Charlotte. It was going to be a big <laughs> game. Uh, all due respect to Charlotte, like the city and the team. Um, <laughs> but Russ, pro- I mean, probably Austin Reeves, honestly, um, would mm-hmm. be my choice. Russ, Reeves, LeBron, Stanley, and AD. I don't, I don't know if you can play. I see Stanley as just kind of strictly a backup center, basically, or kind of taking those minutes. Um, the Lakers have had some interesting things about Vogel has said that he thinks that they've kind of unlocked something with him as this defensive small ball center, which they have. And um, they kind of found something that nobody else in the league saw. I don't know how well it would work because you're kind of putting him back. Part of the, part of the reason he said that is uh, when you're playing on the wing, you kind of have this, expectation or responsibility to be a to knock down shots and when you're this defensive small ball center like it feels more as an added bonus and you're able to surround that with shooting maybe it works because in theory ad is a shooter he wasn't a very good one when he was healthy earlier this season but he has apparently worked on his mechanics while he's been rehabbing um i would agree though with outside of stanley johnson i would agree I would go LeBron, Russ, Reeves, AD. The problem is I don't really have anybody else. So, like, maybe it has to be Stanley. I don't think you can start Malik and start three guards, basically. Or Melo. Um, yeah, Melo, maybe. But I. It, maybe it works because Malik's coming off the bench and he can kind of bring that scoring punch. Talon hasn't worked in the starting lineup. I think he's better off the bench as well. Um, so, yeah, I I would probably start Mello, and then you have Malik, Stanley, Mello, THT off the bench. That's as good as things are going to get right now. Uh, well, I said Mello twice. Still, you have eight guys off the er, – in total, and with what the Lakers currently have, that's as good as it's going to get. Avery Bradley, again, we can be as frustrated as we want with Avery Bradley. He's going to play. He played 31 minutes. To be honest, he was good offensively. He got absolutely lost on a really crucial possession late in the game defensively. He doubled on, I believe it was Bam. Um, There was a mismatch in the post. I think Russ was on Bam. He doubled down and then he got entirely lost and was just standing in the middle of the lane while PJ Tucker was open in the corner. Um, He cannot be playing 31 minutes 
in a in an NBA game, but I don't know. Kendrick Nunn is still out there somewhere. Uh, Vogel kind of gave an update on him and said that he was he wasn't shut down. It was just they kind of ramped up his activity and the soreness ramped up with it, and um, so they basically ramped him back down and kept have kept him doing on court work. So it's a delay, but they don't have, they don't really have a timeline. I don't know when, if he's going to play for the Lakers, but in theory, he would help a lot. That's been one of their biggest issues is the one guy that they were able to sign, like bring in externally on a non-vet minimum deal has not played in its, the end of January and that's killer. Um, so I don't know. Do you think the lineup as constructed in the off season, I guess, plus Stanley Johnson, is that lineup ever going to be healthy and on the court together? I, I hope so. I think so. Maybe. Um, are we assuming none was part of the starting plans? Yeah. And I, I just mean this roster in general. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do you think Bazemore, DeAndre, whoever is going to be traded before Nunn's back and available? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Hold on. Now you got me thinking. Um, well. It's basically, do you think Kendrick Nunn's going to be back by February? Yeah, 10th? yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand the question. I don't understand my answer because it came out <laughs> so fast. And uh, I don't know why I said that because I don't believe that. Um Let's go with no, yeah. because there is a, how many days? There's that hand trick with days of the month, uh, but I, thir- 31 days in January, I'm going to guess. Let's go with that. Yeah, there is. Oh, I have a calendar beside me. Yeah, there is. So by the time you're listening to this, it's 14 days until the trade deadline, two weeks. Um, yeah, I honestly, with any confidence, I can't, can't say... Uh, that there is that that god that Kendrick Nunn will play this season that's bad that is not great and um but here's my thing and to your point about Avery Bradley the problem isn't Avery Bradley is a bad NBA player period the problem is Avery Bradley is on the court too much doing far too much and you know it's it's a similar problem that Russell Westbrook has but to, I guess, a, a smaller extent or, you know, the role the role you want Avery Bradley to play is not the role he always plays. Uh, 38.8% on three-pointers this season, by the way. Uh, the problem is Avery Bradley doesn't see himself as strictly a spot-up shooter. And uh, I don't think Frank Vogel does either. So my point in saying that, though, Say Kendrick Nunn doesn't play before the trade deadline. Say he's traded before the trade deadline. I think Avery Bradley is somebody that would be perfectly fine as your backup point guard. And I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but yes, (laughs) he is. He is certainly better than I think anything you're going to find in free agency. If you do decide, you know, say Detroit takes that, Taylor Horton, Tucker, Hendrick, Nunn, and 2027 first package. Like, 
at that point, I think Avery Bradley's your backup point guard. And I'm fine with that. Um, especially I think I would rather bring back Darren Collison for <laughs> a second time than go. I with mean, that. and they would need to sign guys. And I think ultimately the, the type of trade we're going to see the Lakers make at the trade deadline is going to be a two for one deal. Um, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there right now. Kent Bazemore before he was traded uh, to Portland. I think that's what happened. Yeah. Let's go with that. Um, had expressed interest in signing with the Kings long-term. And, you know, if, if you do a Bays DJ, maybe a, like a second round pick or cash, whatever, whatever it is to get it done. I think a two for one for Damian Jones would be like a win in my book, assuming everything else is off the table. Like that's addition by talent but it's also addition by subtraction It opens a roster spot. It does all the things I want the Lakers to do at the trade deadline sans like, you know, getting a Jeremy Grant or Kendrick Williams or miles turn, like assuming all of those options are off the table. Give me a two for one trade where the Lakers get an NBA player in return for, for Deandre Jordan, Kent Bazemore. That's fine with me. I was uh, looking at current free agent point guards that I would rather have than Avery Bradley as the backup point guard. Uh, Mario Chalmers is out there. Uh, the mm, Langston Galloway, Carson Edwards, former Celtic. I'm I'm joking on most of these, but most I, of these. <laughs> Emmanuel Moutier, I still believe. How old do you think Emmanuel Moutier is? Twenty four. 25 you're close he's been around forever jeff teague's a free agent um no bring Stop. back isaiah bring back isaiah thomas um i do think that they'll they'll do a two for one type of trade um and uh that i don't know i mean there's buyout guys that you could um you could sign as well i'm not really sure what the buyout market's going to look like i haven't even gotten to that point buyout guys typically sign with teams that are title contenders and the lakers feel really far from that right now uh so i hadn't even really looked at the buyout market uh though if you're a, a buyout player and you're a guard like there may not be a better place to come than the lakers because they really need like a backup point guard and whatnot so or like a hybrid big man like just yeah. to name somebody, Thaddeus Young, if you're <laughs> listening to this. I think I've I think I've asked Thaddeus Young if he's listening to this twice this season now. But if you're listening to this, please yeah, sign with the Lakers. <laughs> I think he would have responded the first time if he was, unfortunately. <laughs> um yeah, I mean they still never replaced the Markeith Morris role, which is another guy that was a lot more important than we probably realized. Um but yeah, a two-for-one deal they're going to do. There's guys I would just cut bait on. I, Lord knows that brings up questions about the luxury tax, and that's a conversation I don't want to have till we get to that I bridge. don't care. Well, I mean, I don't, but the Lakers do. Um, and But, yeah, you got to change some things up. I, I mean, this is a conversation for two and a half weeks' time. I – would be surprised if THT 
is traded anyway. I don't think that they're going to do any kind of move like that just because the market is not – there just aren't guys available that you would package THT and none for. Like Jeremy Grant's one name, the report came out that he wants to be a primary offensive option, which he would be not that in L.A., and that a team trading for him would want to sign him to an extension. So if you're trading for him to come to L.A. where he's not going to be a primary option – He's not signing an extension. And then Miles Turner's injury, don't trade for somebody that's injured in a season that you've had a million injuries. So um, after that, like I was kind of Harrison Barnes is the other name people have said a lot. I don't know that you would trade THT and Kendrick Nunn for that. I don't know why the Kings would be interested in THT when they already have a whole bunch of ball handlers that, they can't really get on the floor together anyway. So because him and Tyrese uh, Halliburton are good friends. <laughs> That's your yeah, answer. <laughs> I mean, they are, but uh, so is De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. So bring De'Aaron Fox over and we'll give you THT. Um, I just don't think that there's going to be a major shakeup like that. I think they need to be more moves on the fringes. And at that point, Again, it's another toss-up because they nailed it with Markeith Morris. They whatever with Andre Drummond last year. So uh, it's a 50-50 bet at that point. Um, so I don't know, but something has to change with this roster because they're, they're just treading water at best, and AD coming back is not going to fix every issue this team has. And – it's a lot of them and you need to try something because what you're doing now isn't working. This is a good conversation, necessary conversation, bad vibes overall, uh, <laughs> not between you this and Lakers I. This Lakers team has given off bad vibes yeah. all year. Very unserious, very careless were the words <laughs> we were describing them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm not super optimistic. The next time we talk will be much better. Um, as we mentioned, the Lakers have the Nets at home. Is uh is is Katie back yet? Like, is he going to be back? Uh, my guess is no. But even then, uh, no, like, he is not. I I'm looking it up now. He won't be there. They also, I mean, Kyrie's not going to play because it's in Brooklyn. <laughs> I didn't think about that. What a good lord! What a silly, silly, silly team they have. The Lakers have a. I mean, they're going to. It's brutal. round out the yeah round out the road trip before we talk again it'll be after that hawks game at nets at sixers at hornets at hawks do they win any of those games i mean i didn't think they i didn't think they'd beat utah and they did um and ad will be back all right so listen we'll end the show on this ad's coming back soon and it won't fix everything okay nobody's saying that Anybody that has said that, I, I don't know if they were serious. I hope not. Um, but he, objectively, he'll be back and the Lakers will be a better team because he averages like 25 and 10. So, And it'll be a, more fun to watch this team, which this team needs all the help it can get in that regard because it is not fun to watch this team at times. Jacob, thank you for, uh, I guess, venting with me is, is what I describe this pod. Uh, it was a cathartic pod. <laughs> we will be back next week. And uh, I don't know. Any chance Frank's not the coach by the time 
Weepod? Uh, if he survived that Pacers game, I think we're, I think he's been given the benefit of the doubt of AD returning. I thought he was done after that Pacer game. And that's where I'm at too. Yeah. I tweeted that night. If that, if he made it through the night, he was probably going to make it through the end of the season, but I've been wrong. I'm wrong a lot. So, uh, yeah, that'll do it for our show this week. Thank you as always for listening. We will catch you next time.